Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hello, hello, and thank you for joining us again for the Raising Joy podcast. I am Winnie King. Um, I do communications. I do a lot of stuff. So <laughs> I'm chief bottle washer somewhere. Of all the, you do all the things. Yeah, I do a lot of things. So it's a long category, but uh, I'm also joined by my co-host. I'm Kristen Perch. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist, also at Cook Children's. And today we're back in the podcast studio. Yeah, we are. And, you know, I, I was watching TV, of course. That's, you know, one of my favorite pastimes, except for TikTok. But um, <laughs> we won't get into that. But I noticed that there is now a new recommendation that children as young as eight are now screened for anxiety. Did you hear about that? I did. And I heard about it first actually on Good Morning America, I think is where they did did a little um, thing about it. But I thought it was, you know, I know our pediatricians are already screening for depression ages 12 to 18. And so the new guideline would catch kiddos with anxiety even younger. Mm -hmm. And so I I was glad. Um, I honestly don't know how pediatricians are able to do all of this in all of their visits. I I don't know how they do it. Um, but I'm glad that we're looking for it. We're screening for it because then hopefully we can get kids to appropriate treatment. Faster. Right. And it's not that you have to show symptoms. You know, you can be asymptomatic, but they want everyone, all the kids screened from eight and above. Right. Right. It, it, I think it's going to be recommended for everybody. Yeah. You know, no. And, and the recommendation was with no symptoms. Right. And I think I think what's hard for people with anxiety is you've probably lived with it your entire life. And this is just the way you think. And so you don't know it's abnormal. Right. Until, and so it sometimes. Until um, somebody points it out. Well, Are you anxious? Right. And, and you yeah. just don't know. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I think, I think screening is helpful and anxiety runs in families. So. Does som- it really? Yes. And so sometimes. Is it a learned behavior or is it genetic? Both. <laughs> okay. I mean, think about it. Jeez. You can make your kids anxious if you're like, yeah, no. don't, you're going to get hurt. You're going to do this. You're going to uh-huh, do that. And uh-huh. so they're always like scared oh of that gosh. the world's a scary place. Yeah. And, and so, so you you put that on your kids. I can see it. Okay. Right. I can see it. So but, it definitely does happen. You know, and a lot of this is, well, all of this is coming because of now this increased mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. And it is a crisis. It is a crisis. That we're in now. Absolutely. And yes. and I guess the pandemic, you know, pulled the curtain behind it or caused it or whatever. I don't know. But all of it. Yeah. I, th- I think that it was all building and then it was like a light, like yeah. the, the match on the, yeah. on the, Lord. on the fire. It's, but hopefully we're moving in the right direction. We're raising awareness. Mm-hmm. People are more willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's all really, really, really important. Yep. But today we're joined by my friend and esteemed colleague, Dr. Jamie Kaufman, and she is the medical director of the care team at Cook Children's. Dr. Kaufman is a board certified in general general pediatrics. That's easy for me to say. (laughs) So she's board certified in general pediatrics and uh, in child abuse. She holds a master's degree in public health. Welcome, Dr. Kaufman, to Raising Joy. Thank you for having me. We're so happy you're here. Um, Tell me about the care team. What exactly is it? Why do you call it that? What do they do? 
where do they live? How do they function? Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Well, since I've been there for 22 years, almost 23, um, I 20, think I'm kind of well-versed on that. Wow. <laughs> I know. Okay, you've been at the care team, not just at Cook Children's, but well, with the care team. I came to Cook Children's for the care team. Oh, okay. So they um, recruited me for the care team. Wow. Right. And I was in general pediatrics doing child abuse work on the side before that in East Texas. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I was, I'm the second medical director that they've had. And I so want to ask you how, what's different between then and now? I, I know we could be here for an hour. Oh my gosh. It is so different. And I think the big difference that I have seen over the last 22 years is the number of juvenile sexual abuse perpetrators. And I, I really, really think a lot of that's related to the internet and access to all the horrible things on the internet that you don't want your children exposed to, pornography, um, all those things that young children even get access to. Um, so we are seeing more and more juvenile perpetrators. Younger people. Yes, yes. And siblings. Siblings on siblings. Get out of I here. Know, I know. A parent's worst nightmare. Absolutely. So how, how would someone come in contact with the care team? Like how do, they, how do they come to your office? Well, the care team, we don't take parent referrals because we just don't have the staff for that. So the only way you get an appointment at the care team is to be referred by either Child Protective Services, law enforcement, or another medical provider. So your pediatrician or another hospital can um, refer the patient in as well, but we don't take parent referrals. So tell us what you do. How do you do it? Well, okay. Yeah, I guess that would be important. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So we're actually a clinic housed in the hospital. Um, So we... uh, Operate like a regular clinic Monday through Friday um, and see scheduled patients. So all of our patients are referred to us specifically because there's concerns of abuse or neglect. Um, So somebody has to be concerned before they send them to us. Mm -hmm. And so we have in the clinic myself, another child abuse pediatrician. We have three pediatric nurse practitioners. uh, And so we see all the children um, that are, there's concerns for physical abuse or severe neglect or other forms of abuse and neglect. And then we also have sexual assault nurse examiners, which are forensic nurses, um, that work full-time in the clinic, um, that see children where there's concerns of sexual abuse. Um, and I'd say probably 95% of those children are referred by law enforcement, um, where there's an active investigation. And so most of those kids are scheduled in the clinic, but that being said, Um, We're also on call 24-7, and so not everything happens during daylight hours, and there are certain things that obviously are critical that need to be seen right away. So if it's an acute sexual assault, then we will do a forensic assessment and collect DNA evidence for the crime lab, and we work closely with um, all the investigative agencies. This, This sounds difficult if you're an adult and you have to go through it. Now you're talking to a child trying to get forensic evidence stuff. How do you do that with a child? Well, you know, it's easier than you think. Um, First, for young children, they don't know they're telling you anything that they should keep a secret, Mm. right? So unless they've been told to keep it a secret. Um, So oftentimes you just 
first you have to obviously develop a relationship, right? So we don't go straight in asking difficult questions, no matter the age of the child. So we'll go in and we'll color with the little ones. And for the teens, we'll talk about other things. And then we get into the difficult stuff, mm-hmm. the, the touches that maybe they weren't sure were okay or not. And we do it in age-appropriate and developmentally appropriate language. Um, and so we find out what happened to them because that's going to guide our exam, our labs, referrals, all those kinds of things. And then we do a, just a good head-to-toe checkup. And then obviously we have to look at privates um, and photograph injuries and those kinds of things. But I, we're so used to doing it. Um, that most of the children are inviting us to McDonald's afterwards, right? I mean, it's not anything painful. So we're little kids aren't getting an adult female exam, right? right? right. So it's not anything that hurts. And then we're also able to reassure them about their bodies, right? Mm So even little kids hear things and have concerns about their bodies. Um, They may be very young and be worried that they're pregnant just because they've heard of those things, even though they can't physically get pregnant. Um, But we can reassure them so that all they have to concentrate on at that point forward is healing the emotions and everything that goes with that. Mm. I would assume too that um, the information that you collect could also go to court of law, law enforcement. That's what it it ends up being. Most people don't understand, but that medical provider-patient relationship is really a special relationship, and the courts recognize that. Mm. And so anything that a child says or anybody says to their medical provider is an exception to the hearsay rule, and you can testify to it in court. Mm. So we do testify to what they tell us about the exam, and 95% of our sexual abuse exams are normal. So one of the things we do is teach the juries why it's normal. I see. And because that's really hard because, you know, I I guess I see a lot of times I see kiddos who've been abused, but later, you know, on uh, because maybe they are now depressed or maybe they have PTSD symptoms and and things like that. And and I've had a couple of patients who've been sexually abused and were, you know, the family was debating, do we go to court? Do we not? And a huge concern for a lot of kids is I don't want to go to court. I don't want to see that person again. And then no one's going to believe me is right. Very, very, very common things I hear. And, and the law is that the accused has the right to be there, to be there mm-hmm. and, and address the issues with the accuser. And even a little child is by law, right. the accuser. So they have to testify. Right. They're in not, person? In person. Um, they have to testify. Not even on video? No, no. They are in the courtroom with the perpetrator in front of them. And it is difficult. They do have uh, people in the court that will um, help with that. They, they, they bring the kids to the courtroom first, introduce them to what it's going to look like, what is it going to be like, and then they have an advocate that's mm-hmm. there with them as well um, to help work them through that process. Um, and so I, there's nothing easy about that. I mean, it is very emotionally draining. And so to be honest, I think oftentimes when they know a child's going to be traumatized, by that, they will try to plea a case, mm-hmm. right? So that the mm-hmm. child doesn't have to, to testify. Do mm-hmm. And the families oftentimes are okay with a lesser type mm-hmm. of offense mm-hmm. that they might get mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to the perpetrator, but it is easier in the long run. Mm. That's really, that's a really hard decision to make. Yeah. It's really, that's so hard. That is so hard. I just think about, I know how hard it is for me to, to hear these sort of stories like day in and day out, um, but I'm really passionate about kids and their mental health and making sure they're their best selves. 
How did you get drawn to child abuse pediatrics? For real. How did, right? you, how did you talk about a dark cloud over your head all day long? <laughs> you know, and I don't think anybody, you know, growing up says, oh, I want to be a child abuse doctor. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just not something you even know exists, much less think that that's, that's what, what you, you want to do. do. Same um, for psychiatrist. Right? Didn't, didn't even know what it was. Right? But here I am. And so <laughs> I actually did general pediatrics for 10 years. Okay. Um, and so, but my heart was always with the oppressed in a way. Mm -hmm. I did primarily Medicaid and indigent clinics. Mm -hmm. And when I was in East Texas doing that, we started a children's advocacy center and they needed somebody to do the exams. And I was already doing the Medicaid and indigent work. So it wasn't like I was in it for the money. Mm, And um, the private pediatricians didn't have time. Right. They did not have the time to do it. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then um, it just, it just grabbed me. And I was like, yeah, I, I really like it. Mm. And um, when my predecessor left, um, they asked if I wanted the spot. Because I actually came back to Cook's mm-hmm. when I was in general pediatrics to get additional education on child sexual abuse, oh. on doing the exams uh, for the, all that. Well, and so that's well. how I got kind of introduced to Cook's. Yeah. And um, then they were like, when she left, they were like, mm, would you like to come back? And I'm like, oh, yes. Kind of. That's amazing. Because, <laughs> you know, when you walk into a place, you just feel yeah. at home. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's the way it was for me. Yeah. It's hard that's not awesome. to feel that way. Yeah. With us. You know, geez. Wow. So with you dealing with the abused um, on a day in and day out basis, what do you tell parents what they should know about protecting their children, because you're telling me now I got to protect them against brother, sister, you know, uncle, somebody. I, you know, this has now become an obsession and craziness for me. Absolutely. If I'm thinking about it as a parent, absolutely, it's particularly for my, and I know it's not just girls, but it is right. boys too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But for my girls, I'm like, oh, for the love of Pete, you, you have to be in my sight. At all times. So what do you tell parents about protecting their kids? And, and believe me, I understand it. I'm a mom. I'm a grandmom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand that fear. Um, and I think the most important thing for a parent is to create that nurturing relationship yeah. with their child. Yeah. So they need to help their child with their self-esteem, mm-hmm. right? Because some of this happens because of a, a low self-esteem. They need to know that they're loved, that they have the right to be safe, Mm. right? I mean, because sometimes we tell children, you got to do what the adult tells you, right? That's not okay. we're not doing that. No. They they have the right to say no. (laughs) They do. And they have the right to say no very loudly. Yeah, they do. Even with my nephews and my nieces, I love them, love them, love them. But when I'm not around, when I'm around them, can I, can I get a hug? If, if somebody says no, well, okay, maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Well, well, I'm not touching. It doesn't matter. We're not. We're not Grandmom, whatever mm-mm. it is, they have it. the right to say no. Yeah. And so I think that is crucial. And I think part of that nurturing environment also is um, creating that safe space so they can talk to you about mm-hmm. anything and know that you're not going to overreact or um, not believe them, Mm -hmm. um, or in some negative manner. Because that's Mm -hmm. what most children are afraid of. I can't tell because I'm going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which then means you also have to really look at how you discipline your children, Mm -hmm. right? Right. It's a teaching process. Yeah. It's not a punishment process. It's a teaching process. And to make sure they feel safe coming to you with anything. Um, And so I think that's super important. Uh, Be nosy. 
Yes. Nosy, nosy, nosy oh, about yeah. your children. I'm in your business. My you parents, don't have business. My parents were so so nosy. And my, my to the point my friends would make fun of them a little bit. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Gigi Noppy. Um, but that you know, my dad was like, Well, who who was there? What mm-hmm. were you guys doing? Mm-hmm. And I mean, but he knew my friends very well. But right. looking back as a parent, I was like, God, that was brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, yes. when you're in high school, you're like, Dad. Yes. But no. You be, know, you know their friends. Nosy. You know their friends' family. Oh, yeah. You're involved in whatever activities they're involved mm-hmm. in. You're in their sports. You're in their school. Mm-hmm. You know everything. And if somebody you, strange pops up kind of out of the blue. and like, Or uh-huh. a coach is being t- a little yeah, too, too attentive mm-hmm. as wanting to take you for a ride to mm-hmm. the game and mm-hmm. t- messaging you privately. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, those are all red flags, which part of that is also being nosy with their phones. Oh, yes. Right? Because a phone is a mini computer in mm. their pocket, and yep. they can access all kinds of applications, all kinds of internet sites, mm-hmm. chat rooms that are very dangerous and predators are on. Um, I can't tell you how many kids we see that uh, meet up uh, an adult that they met through either an app, uh, some kind of you know dating app or whatever, um, internet sites. And and the kids are so naive. They meet up with them, not realizing they that it's a predator. Yeah. They have no idea. My, this came up this weekend. I have uh, my oldest is eight, and you know she wanted to be on a couple of different apps or games that allow you to communicate with other people. And for her dad and I, that's a non-starter. Mm, it's like absolutely. I'm sorry. You know, and and she was very upset. She's like, you think I'm a little baby and I won't give them any of our information. I was like, sweetie, it's not you. You, I I, I trust you. And that's what we said. I don't trust them. Exactly. Like if there, if you were in, if you were able to play with 10 of yourselves or 10 of your friends, or we had a way to control who was talking to you, you could do it. We would have no problem with it. But it's that interaction with people that we don't know. It's off limits. And they know how to get information from kids. Right. When the kids don't even realize they're doing it. Exactly. Because they're. They're just smarter. And how many apps have where they can see where you're at? Exactly. Right? Locations. Mm. And exactly. Things. Yeah. Too. That's scary. Well, talking about the, the the abuser, you you have to deal with them. Yes. Don't you? Yes. How do you deal with them and how do how do you handle that? Well, and to be honest with you, in sexual abuse, most of the time we don't deal with the abuser, right? Okay. Because um they have already been the police are already investigating. That person's already been removed. Now, everybody needs to know that most abusers, whether it's physical abuse, sexual abuse, whatever, is someone well-known to the child. It's not the stranger, right? Rarely is it the stranger, stranger. right? Yeah. It's someone that has access to your child. So it's somebody in their life. Um, and so we deal more with the abusers probably in our physical abuse and neglect cases. Um, and the way I approach that is, number one, I don't really know who the abuser is. Right. I may think I know, Mm -hmm. but I'm not an investigator. I'm Mm -hmm. not the police. I'm not Mm -hmm. CPS. Mm -hmm. I don't really know if that person did it or someone else in the home. Right. I can't know that for sure. And I treat everybody as if they're innocent and love their child. And I go in just to gather information to better take care of their child. Wow. And that's the way I approach it. I don't ever try to be demeaning or treat them any way differently than I would any other parent um, because I don't know, Mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost. And second, Catch more flies with honey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mm-hmm. do. If I am rude to them, they're mm-hmm. not going to tell me yeah. squat. Defenses go up, walls go right. up, everything. If happening. they think I'm accusing, yeah, judging, yeah. judging, mm-hmm. they're not going to tell me anything. Yeah, um, that might be helpful to keep their child safe. Mm-hmm. And and it's not my job. Mm-hmm. My job is to take care of that child. 
and make sure that they're safe. Exactly. So what, under what circumstance do you have to go in and talk to the abuser? All, uh, well, all, all the phys- well, when they come into our hospital or our clinic, most of the time it's the parent with them. Okay. And um, oftentimes the abuser is a parent. Is, okay. Gotcha. Um, and so they're the ones that are the caretakers. The, okay, and, we've got, and they're the ones that know the information. Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. So I have to gather the information from them. They know the history of the child, the past medical history, uh, anything that might impact the health and okay. care of that child. So you're not talking to Uncle Joe or Cousin oh, no. Sam or wh- whoever may have. That's part of the investigation, yeah, okay, right? Gotcha, My gotcha. job is to talk to the caregiver. To which, the closest person. That is the one that's in the care and control of that child. Mm-hmm. So I do try to talk to both parents if there are two parents involved mm-hmm. um, to gather all that information. Gotcha. Um, but it's because I need a good medical history. I'm not an investigator, and I don't want to be an investigator. And when you say you need a medical, I'm sorry. No, when you need a medical history, you need to understand, this, do they have asthma? Have they done this? Everything. Okay, we need to Everything. know the shots. The- I start, if it's a baby, I start with pregnancy because all, the, all health in a child starts with pregnancy. I want to know everything about the pregnancy, the delivery, mm. how they are as an infant, wow. what their health issues have been, what the family history is. Are there any family history of whatever the diseases are, the issues are? I need to know all, all of, of that, that because there are mimics for abuse as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That I need to make sure that this is not an actual medical problem or an accident, right? I need a very good history of what happened that had brought them into the hospital right. because it could be an accident, right? Right. Okay. And so I need to know, kind of figuring out the biomechanics and all that thing. Speaking of that, so um, like let's say your kiddo comes home with a bruise that you're kind of like, that's weird. What sort of like, uh, what sort of things make you concerned? Oh my gosh. Like if, like if you're, you know, like I'm just thinking like, like she comes home from daycare and this thing has popped up. When, when should a parent be concerned? Well, you know, I I think when you have a child that's not verbal yet, it's always really scary because they can't tell you what's going on. Mm. Right. And, and abuse happens in daycares and babysitters and people who are taking care of your child. I got to quit my job. I I know. It's like, where's the safe place? Um, So there are things you can look for though. There are, there are what we call sentinel injuries in infants, mm-hmm. um, and those are more minor injuries that precede the more severe. So that could be any bruise in a non-mobile infant pretty much under five or six months is concerning. I don't care where it is on their body. Don't mm-hmm. matter. Don't matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. A single bruise, mm-hmm. a single broken blood vessel in mm-hmm. the eye. Mm-hmm. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Are you going to talk to me? We're going to have to talk. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So those are really awesome because those are the children at the highest risk for death. Yeah, right. Because they're okay. just so tiny. Yeah. What about like kind of preschool or school age kiddos? Right. Well, and you know, once kids get active, they're going to get bruises. Right. Right. Because they fall. Right. 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 And we know that. We call them toddler bruises. Right. Right. Because they're on the shins. They're on the forearms. They're on mm-hmm. the elbows. Yeah. They're on the forehead. Yeah. yeah. You know, those bony areas. Yeah. Bony areas, there's no padding. Right. It's, it's, there's nothing to pad when they fall on a bony spot. So right. it's going to get bruised. Right. But if it's on their bottom, if it's on their thighs, if it's on their back, areas that don't normally get hurt when you fall, I'm going to have a conversation. Okay. 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 I, I love conversations. <laughs> I also, you I know, like think um, in, in my practice, I unfortunately have had. Um, two kiddos recently that disclosed sexual abuse that had been going on for years. Oh yeah. It's like wrecks me, like totally wrecks me. Um, because it, you know, you just care for these kiddos so much and you hate how much they suffered. 
are there things, I, I guess what I have noticed sometimes, like looking back on the situation is, oh, there was, there was a downturn in their mood, right. but, but I thought it was, you know, I thought it was something else. Like I thought it was also because their grades were low and I'm like, oh, but why were their grades low? Yes. And then you're, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I you know, I just thought sixth Gosh. grade was hard, you know, I, right. like, are there, are there things like that make you concerned, like kind of red flags for sexual abuse? Well, as well? And you, it's real difficult because the responses that children have when they're being abused is a stress response, right? Right. So it's whatever stressor is happening in the, happening in that child's life can create those same behaviors. Right. So that's where it gets really difficult. But I think that's where that relationship with your child mm -hmm. is so crucial because mm -hmm. then you have the conversation. Honey, mm. is something going on mm. that you mm -hmm. need, that I need to know? Is there something you can tell me that's making this happen, that's creating this and create that safe space where hopefully, mm -hmm. hopefully it'll tell you. It doesn't always work, though. I know. I mean, that's the hard part is no matter how good a parent you are and how protective you are, you're not with your child 24 seven. Right. right. And, and things do happen sometimes, but at least you hope that that get, can create the space for the conversation. Right. I, I will say before my kiddos started doing, like before they start like activities that I'm not there watching, you know, like they go to dance behind a, behind a, like a door. Mm -hmm. This is how paranoid I am because of my work. <laughs> right. I, mean, right. I know you are. We, we, Bless I mean, 80% of our kiddos on the inpatient unit have had a serious traumatic event of some sort. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I, you know, i to say I'm hypervigilant would be an understatement. Yeah, sure. But, you know, I tell I tell my kiddos, hey, look, listen, this is this is what if anyone ever tries to touch you in an area that's covered by a bathing suit, Absolutely. you scream no and you run. Mm -hmm. And then and, you tell an adult that you mm -hmm. trust mm -hmm. as soon as possible. And I tell it, I'm like, I don't care if it is your teacher. I don't care if it's your coach. I don't care if it's your friend. I don't care if like whatever it is, you did nothing to deserve it. And I want you to tell them Absolutely. and I want you to tell me. And, yeah. but that's because you've created that relationship yeah. and you can have that conversation, which part of that conversation is teaching body parts too. Yes. Right. Because say it's the teacher they want to tell. Well, if you call your privates cookie and you go tell somebody, somebody touched or licked cookie. my cookie, they're, like, they're going to like, what happened ear? at the lunch table? Yeah, right. What? Yeah, yeah. They don't know what you're trying to say. Right. But ki but kids do say that. They have told me that before and they really? meant their private part. And yeah. I was like, wait, are we talking about something that you eat or a part of your body? Mm -hmm. And like, yes. you have to slow down. But people, but they, I mean, people have all kinds of names for yeah. their oh private parts. Oh my gosh. We have a whole book with names. Like of, I mean, it, it's, it, but, but. Like, you know, or so, yes. So yeah. I think it is important to yeah. teach your kiddos and that, you know, like anatomically correct. Or what, what do you and recommend? You know, well, you know, everybody says, in, call it what it is, right? Vagina is a vagina, bottom to bottom. I, I think grandma I had a hard time saying those words. I, know, I, know, I, know, I know, I know, I know. But I think if you have a name, like you say private, okay, mm -hmm. that's your privates, mm -hmm. that's your mm -hmm. bottom. Mm -hmm. I have kids come in, somebody touched my butt. Okay, but is it a front butt or a back butt? Yes. You know, and yes. you're like, oh Is my God, inside what do you mean? or outside? Or, right. Yeah, and so yeah. I think Jeez. whatever name you choose, make sure it's a name that makes sense to an outsider. Right. Yes. Who hears it. Yeah. And that it's calling the appropriate area. Right. I, I don't get all caught up on, you know, you have to use the correct anatomical term. Well, I, I like the fact that you just said, if it's not covered, if it's covered by a, a bathing suit, don't touch it. Right. right. Don't, don't. It gives them yes. real yeah. specific. Yeah. Yes. I like, and, and I that, like that. But you've also taught her that it, it, you deserve to be safe. Yeah. Right. Which is right. what we talked about. You deserve to be safe. 
and you can say no and you have rights. Okay. Right. Um, and I also tell her and, and I'll check in with her every now and then like, Hey, um, I mean like that my child is going to be so traumatized by my career. <laughs> no, she won't. Like, my I, daughter <laughs> is now 25, almost 26. And I did the same thing. Okay. And she turned out. Okay. Okay. That is so relieving <laughs> for oh people who God. know my children. Please don't tell them I said this, oh but, oh um, but I, you know, every now and then I'll, you know, we'll be driving in the car and yeah. I'll just be like, Hey, you know, just want to check in, mm-hmm. make sure like none of that kind of stuff has any of that stuff happened. And, and don't ask in the negative. Don't say that truly hasn't happened to you. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm gonna be like, no, it didn't. So yeah. like, yeah. has this ever happened? Like ask an honest, open question. Hey, I'm just checking in. Do has, has anyone touched you in your private area? I just, you know, want to make sure has anyone ever made you do something that made you uncomfortable because right. that's the other part. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and so I'm just And don't triggered. call it good. Don't call yeah. it bad. Yeah. I was just triggered Um, because I I really was. I was just triggered. You know, so my mother was a very protective mother. And I knew that if I told her anything, she would go through the roof. Not at me, but it would be an overreaction. And I remember being very uncomfortable with a, a person who was in my life. And she noticed the downturn in my personality and what I was doing. And I had to... Uh, I did. I confessed to her what was happening. Oh, gee. Oh, God. Oh, she would, you know, but it was okay, you know, but she, she did. She went through the roof and, and again, she was very clear. And I, I do appreciate the fact that she was very clear. This is not about you. This is not about what you did. You did nothing wrong. You didn't do it, but I'm going to go handle it. Right. And what I do was you think scared. Of, well, what do you think about that now though? You know, I, I really appreciate it. Okay. I appreciate okay. it. Because I, I really do have do. parents that do that mm-hmm. and go over the top. And the and kid con- automatically says, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Nothing really happened. I lied. Yeah, no, no. I Because no, there, she, it gets scares mm-hmm. them. Yeah, no. She, but my mother was kind of over the top anyway. She was kind of that way. Um, but, I, it, you know, as I look back, I really do feel good that she didn't make it about me. It Correct. was my fault. It was what I did. Exactly. I should never have. You know, but what she was going to do was take care of it. And yeah. she did. Well, and she <laughs> believed you. And, and she, that's oh, a huge. Oh, trust me. That is a huge yeah. predictor for how well kids will do after yeah. they were abused. Yes. Yeah, if did. they, whenever they tell a parent, whenever yeah. they tell a teacher, if they are believed. And then supported. Yeah. And she, and she could tell. I was reluctant. I was. And, and it wasn't anything abusive. I mean, it was. It, it made me horribly uncomfortable. Yeah. Horribly uncomfortable. But she was like, mm, I got this. You don't I have was, to say nothing else. And I didn't. I was, I think because, I mean, I hope I never have to deal with this, but I think it, I, I, I can't really predict what would happen if that happened to yeah. my child. And you know, and what I tell parents is that it's okay to scream and cry about it. You just don't do it in front of your child. Mm-hmm. So once you've had the like, oh, okay, I'm so sorry that happened. We're going to take care of it. Thank you, you send your child me. off. Yeah, thank you for telling me. Send your child off to play, and then you go in your closet, shut yeah. the door, and scream and cry. Yeah, my oh, mother yeah. was not the type to scream and cry. She would scream at you. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. she's coming for you. Yeah, <laughs> that that was what it. That's what happened. She's not screaming and crying in the closet. She's yeah. coming for you. But she's and not screaming and crying at you. Which no, is key. no, she yes. did not. And and she made sure. And she and my father made sure that I never had to deal with it again. And I never heard about it. We never talked through it. But I got this. Don't worry. I appreciate your mom. Yeah. Yeah. She's don't worry about it. 
I got this. You did the right thing. And and I was reluctant. And she's, no, 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 no. You're good. You're good. Right. Gave me a piece of cake or whatever it was that I was loving at the time. Right. <laughs> you know, really. No, you're fine. Well, you should be rewarded, right? Yeah. You and just you told did, a very difficult mm-hmm. thing. And and she knew I was. I was traumatized. But, um, you know, but she took care of it and I didn't have to deal with it anymore. And I was really happy But I think it. for parents hearing this, one of the things they need to remember, not this scenario because it was uncomfortable but not necessarily abusive, but parents can't handle it themselves, right? Yeah. It has to be reported. Yeah. No matter yes. how badly you don't want to report it, yeah. you just want to pretend it never happened yeah. and protect your child. And handle it within like, and handle the, it within the I've family community. We yeah. see that. It has to, to be, be reported, reported. because, especially with pedophilia, mm-hmm. it is not a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not a one-victim thing. Right. They're going to go on. And even if you protect and are able to to keep your child safe, other children yeah. aren't. And see, you know, okay, so this happened to me when I was really young. So that was 300 years ago. So uh, you look know, <laughs> great for 300. Yeah, you know, back when nobody was doing that kind of stuff. Right. But again, you know, mother took care she of it. She handled it. She did. Absolutely. I love that. I wonder, um, you know, with teens being on the internet, being on social media so much, um, do you find like perpetrators are interacting with like kids and teens online? Mm. Oh, apps? absolutely. Mm. Like, how, absolutely. How does that? Yeah. How does that? Oh, work? man. Um, usually it's a, a, a kid who, you know, has the ability and alone time to be on these types of things and they just start a conversation, right? And then they start, um, you know, complimenting the child, mm-hmm. right? Because oftentimes, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, my self-esteem wasn't the best. Really right? No, you're trying to figure out who you yeah, are. Yeah. Right. Like, that's part of being a teenager. Right. Yeah. And so that's, you know, they start just feeding into that. And then we also have some of our uh, children um, and, and boys, adolescent boys that are exploring their sexuality, mm-hmm. right? They're not, they're, they're trying to figure things out. Well, there's somebody online that's very willing to help you figure that mm-hmm. out. Right. Um, and so they get put in some very dangerous positions or they even bring them to the home when the parents aren't there. Yes. We've had that happen I've as well. Definitely seen that. Um, and so it's so dangerous. And the children, because they may be teenagers, but they're still children. They do not understand how much danger they're really in. And they also don't, don't understand how they're manipulated. Oh, right? yeah. Because they right. think they're in love. Exactly. And this person Jeez. is, yes, they do. Jeez. They do. They do. And it's not because they're like stupid or it's no. not because they're, it's just their brains. They don't mm. know. They don't have the life experience that we well, do. And their frontal cortex is just, you know, like, oh. Well, and, I can tell you there's a lot of older single women who are saying, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of friends and I'm like, sister, really? You believe yeah. that? <laughs> You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah. So it's not just them. But yeah, that's not good. Yeah, that is not, not good. good at all. Do you have any advice on, you know, like limits or like how parents can make sure their kids are not interacting with like perpetrators online? Like what kind of things? Well, do you recommend? I personally would not have a computer in their bedroom. Totally agree with that. It needs to be in a public space totally where agree. anybody walking by Laptop. can see what's on there. 100%. You need to have their passwords. You need to have access to everything and be able to go in there and look and see what they're at doing. At time. At all times. At okay. all times. Charge the phone right here. Right. Where yes. I can see it. And what I always told my kids is that I'm paying for it. It's mine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, you're not your child's friend. Mm-hmm. You are there to raise them mm-hmm. to be a healthy 
happy adult. That's so hard. Which means it is hard. And I I get it. But if you don't do, do that, mm-hmm. you're going to, there's potential for some really bad outcomes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, that's part of that nosiness, right? Yes. And then you have limitations on their phone and you have a ability to get in there and look at it. Mm. You all look times. at their pictures, you look at their chats, you look at all that stuff to see what's going on in their lives. Cause sometimes they ain't telling you. Mm-hmm. Right. And this will not make me popular with any teenager, but I would probably do that until about like 16, 16 and a half, like definitely first year of high school, I would still be looking at our social media accounts. 18, yes. 20, 27. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's it's, it's hard. hard because they're about like, you need them to have practice. You know, being an adult and being on their own. So when my kiddo's 17, I'm probably not going to mm-hmm. be looking at their social media accounts. Well, because at 18, there's nothing you can do anyway. Oh, no. And once they go off to college. And it, and that's what, I mean, we tell people, like, if they're going to make mistakes, let them do it in your house. Like, right. That's the best place to do it so that you can learn and support. But let's not make Big mistakes one. that end up with, like, sexual abuse and they end up with PTSD and in my office and all you that want, stuff. You like, want those fixable mistakes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, not I, that that can't be fixed, like but I it's spent much more too, difficult. I spent too much money on Amazon or Target. Like, <laughs> let's do that. Yes. Like, yes. let's yes. do that yeah. and not yes. these other things that will have repercussions for the rest of their life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And what I found with raising kids who are very aware is they then teach their friends because if those parents aren't having the conversation, I had my daughter in high school come to me with issues with her friends where she's like, mom, I'm worried about this. And I've told them X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, you told them the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you just mm-hmm. keep telling them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was actually then going to her friends and teaching them. That's amazing. And sometimes you as a mother want to go to the other mother and say, are you for real? And she might've, she might've sent her a caller Hey, have you thought about this? <laughs> yeah. 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 It depends yeah. on how well exactly. I know them. Exactly. Yeah. What the yeah. relationship is. Yeah. Hey, I just want to give you a heads up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For real. Yes. You work with a therapy dog named. Oh, named Kitty. Precious Kitty. She's the sweetest. Oh, my gosh. What's her role? What does she do? Oh, my gosh. Well, within the care team clinic, we also have the fostering health clinic, which is mm-hmm. foster care. Yep. So most of those children become pretty dysregulated when they're getting immunizations and things, as well as our other children who may have been abused that it's a very anxious time to come yeah, to the clinic. Yeah. And so she is the calmest dog you will mm-hmm. ever meet mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, we call it kitty magic mm-hmm. because she can just <laughs> go in a room and the kids start petting her or the parents. Cause sometimes the parents are super stressed <laughs> or staff. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And it really, I mean, I, I have to say that I got kitty. Uh, as part of the cooks uh, mm-hmm. sit, stay and play program. Right. Um, because I just wanted a dog that come oh, yeah. to work with me, but I am a firm believer now yeah. Yeah. in the benefit does. and what mm. she does and yes. reducing stress and anxiety yes. and bringing back in some regulation to the brain for everyone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Especially with your work. I mean, we, we have, um, we have therapy dogs. We have like a staff therapy dog yeah. that will go mm-hmm. around and, yeah, no, it's needed. It, it I is. think it's definitely needed in our line. Okay, I, yeah. I, I was really introduced to Kitty uh, by a video 
Remember, oh, remember is it the, the one where we're running after Ralph? <laughs> oh, and she ran out. Well, was Ralph, that Ralph running? It was Ralph. Ralph, and then Kitty was chasing him, and then I was chasing her. <laughs> okay, question: Was that actual? Was that real? That was real. That was real. I I, I thought it was staged and hilarious. No, 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 no. no. It was real. It These was dogs real. are running, and people are running behind them, and somebody from security took that video and put <laughs> who let the dogs out. It's uh, amazing. Yeah, they were oh. going to go get a haircut. Well. They, we have a van that comes every two weeks to the hospital to, to beg groom? and groom the uh-huh. dogs. Mm-hmm. Ralph does not like it. Mm. Uh, he's no longer in at yeah. Cook's, yeah. but he did not like it. And so I was getting Ralph and going to drop off Kitty and take Ralph to his handler. And he took off. He did. <laughs> He and did. he went straight in the hospital. He knew the door to go in, and mm-hmm. he knew exactly where his handler was yeah. and was running to her for safety. Yeah. Oh, right. I know. And then Kitty was chasing him, and I was chasing her. And I was you like, oh, Dr. my God, Nancy Cycle's going to kill me. <laughs> Here are these expensive we dogs. Need, we need an anonymous report about... Um, Things that might or might not happen with the sit stay play dogs oh. and the mischief they've gotten into, it would be a great. I have some great stories oh, about no, our friends because Lou. they are dogs, right? And they're, but they're they're well trained dogs, but, but they're still, still dogs. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah. that was the funniest video. Okay. I, and just seeing it, it we'll was have crazy. to share it. We'll yeah. share it on the podcast. Yeah, so y'all can see. Enjoy oh, it with my us. Goodness, I ran a lot faster at that point than I can now. <laughs> Dr. Kaufman, thank you so much for coming to talk to us and helping us learn how to keep our kids safe because it is so important and we don't want to freak out parents and we don't want to make you nervous, but we just want to make you aware. Like these are the things that you can do to help keep your kids safe. And I just want to say thank you so much Mm. for the work that you do, keeping kids safe and, and being a place where they can come and they know that they can talk and they won't be judged and they'll be supported and advocated for. Yeah. When I tell you guys this woman is a saint, yep. like she is literally a saint. So right. I'm just immensely grateful for yeah. everything that you do. We, oh, thank we, you, guys. We thank you. Thank real, you. Real. And thank you for listening to this episode of Raising Joy. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And until next time, just breathe. Open up. You, you matter. matter.